What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Gahey III, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. With me, as always, is my partner, Kurt Weiler, also of the Tallahassee Democrat. We missed the Tuesday podcast. My fault. My uh, my house is finally being put together after 11 months, and uh, so I, I had some other stuff to deal with. But we are back today to discuss, uh, you know, some Florida State Miami. Uh, we're not going to get too much into Syracuse. It was the best game Florida State had played all season. Syracuse is absolutely awful. Um, Florida State did what it, you know, what it should do against a te- pretty terrible opponent. Um, so we're not going to get into that. We're going to discuss. Uh, we're going to discuss Miami because it's you know one of the uh, the best rivalries in college football. Even when both teams are four and four, there's a lot of hate here. There's a lot of respect here, but there's still a lot of hate here. And uh, you know it. When you think of Florida State Miami, Kurt, what do you think of? Hmm. I mean, your mind obviously always goes to Stanford Samuels, Jr., that is, not the third. And, I mean, his hit. Your mind goes to all the kicks. Your mind goes to the one for me when I was in college at FSU was the Nigel Bradham ejection game. I mean, you go to a rivalry that even if it's not, and really truly hasn't been for both teams in a while, a game where it felt like the winner of this game was really in the front seat to be in the national championship picture, even if it's not there anymore, the heat of the rivalry is very much still there. And, I mean, in talking to Florida State players this week, in hearing quotes from Miami players and, I mean, coaches, it's it's a game that still means a lot to everyone here, even if it doesn't have that national championship scope that it did, it seems like, on an annual basis. For, for some time there and uh, a couple decades ago. Yeah, when I when I think of Florida State Miami, I think of all the talent that's been on the field together. You know, but both sides. I mean, there's no question that Florida State or Florida, the state of Florida, is the best state at producing top end talent across the country. You know, some will argue Texas, some will argue California, some will even argue Georgia. And you know, being a Georgia boy, I like to have. I like, you know, I, I think they, uh, I think Georgia produces pretty darn good talent. But when it comes to, you know, just pure talent and the amount of talent that comes out of the state, there's no question that Florida is um, produces m- more than anybody else. So when you consider that both schools are pulling from that talent pool and just the number of players that have have come out of this and just it, it come out of this rivalry, I mean, this is a this is a chance for for Florida State's players and Miami's players to become legends, and you know everyone remembers. You know nobody remembers what you did against Syracuse. Everybody remembers what you did against Miami and Florida. Like n- nobody cares. Like you could have four touchdowns and you know a hundred and two hundred yards. Dalvin Cook did it. Cam Akers did it. But most people don't remember that. What they remember is Dalvin Cook just shredding the Miami defense every time he was there because it was his hometown team. You know, when he'd throw up the 305. Yeah, you know, the the there's so many good players and there's this rivalry just means so much more than you know, what than than just the na- uh, national perspective. But, you know, I I'm hoping that you know maybe this in sometime in the future this rivalry gets back to to what it was, just because it was, you know, that was so much fun, even though Florida State was on the losing end of that. But 
getting into the game this year, both teams are 4-4. Four and four. Both teams are coming off pretty big wins. Uh, Miami beat Pittsburgh on the road um, and looked horrible on offense doing it, but really good on defense. And Got then, handed a couple short fields. I mean, the turnover chain in full effect, all that, but they took advantage of those situations, and they created those situations. Yeah, and then Florida State beat Syracuse, obviously. Um, but what's your biggest question mark for Florida State heading into this game? Where does where does my where do you think Miami has an edge that Florida State needs to be concerned about? I mean, I think if you look at if you're talking the best overall offense or defense for either team on either side of the ball in this game, I think it's the Miami defense. I think that's the best unit overall in this game. I mean, they've been exceptionally good against the run this year. I think they've only given up 100 yards in three of their eight games or something to that effect. I mean, they've been very good against the run. They've had some lapses in the secondary, but especially depending on who the quarterback is. I mean, you've had one quarterback who doesn't throw a great deep ball, the other for Florida State who hasn't thrown a very accurate deep ball this year in James Blackman. So whoever it is, and I, I, I and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, I expect to see a heavy dose of the wild cam again. But I think it's just Florida State's offense has no doubt improved this year, but this is probably the second-best defense they've faced this year behind Clemson's. And, and it's, I mean, it's no joke. So I think, although I think Miami is going to have trouble moving the ball too, even though Florida State's defense is not as good, I think Florida State is going to be like they have been a lot, big play reliant. I think they're going to struggle to sustain drives against this defense. I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about <clears throat> Florida State's defense when um, <clears throat> when Miami's trying to throw the football, and Miami's going to try and throw the football a lot, but Florida State's defense has 24 sacks this season. 19 of them have come in three games. Now, those three games, they've got 6-6-7. Six, six, and seven. And they've done it against them, you know, well, Boise State was a pretty good offensive line, but Louisville and Syracuse are not. Um, so Florida State's been kind of boom or bust in that regard. And when Jaron Williams gets time, when he rarely gets time, because Miami's offensive line is absolutely horrendous, but when he gets time, there's a ton of talent uh, in that, uh, as far as the skill position goes for Miami. Um, Brevin Jordan's the best tight end in the ACC. I don't think anyone would dispute that. And he's one of the best tight ends in the country. And he is a true receiving threat. And I'm very concerned because, one, Florida State never covers the tight end ever. I'm pretty sure it's in every co- defensive coach's contract to not cover the tight end at this point. Um, I feel like we're, we're due for that game because I feel like there truly hasn't been that game this year, maybe because they haven't truly faced a elite tight end. They faced a lot of very good receivers, and they haven't faced a team that's so tight end reliant as Miami is. I think it's worth pointing out with the Miami offensive line, if we're putting them on the scale, they are far more Syracuse than they are Louisville. I think they're like I think Louisville, I mean, they've given up nine more sacks than Louisville this year, and they've given up seven more than Florida State. And Florida State's line hasn't by any means been great. But I mean I think they almost feel like where Florida State was last year. They've got young, very inexperienced tackles, and from the first game this year you've seen how big of a problem that would be for Miami all season long. And, I mean, when your tackles are that green and you don't have better options, there's only so much you can do. So, I mean, I expect Florida State's defense to do enough in that regard to keep them in the game even if even if the, the Florida State offense can't really get going against Miami's defense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. Going back to the point that I was making, um, the tight end position, Florida State doesn't really have a, a linebacker that can cover him. 
You know, normally that would be Jaden Woodby. Uh, maybe you put Amari Gaynor on that, but then you take him off the edge, and you you know that limits his pass rushing ability. And Florida State has struggled to generate a pass rush. Um, you know, in, in in a lot of games this year, you have Marvin Wilson coming off the inside. Corey Durden still doesn't have a sack or have a tackle for loss. That's not a sack, and he hasn't had a sack in a while. He's kind of tapered off a little bit. Janarius Robinson has uh, really picked up his game now that he's playing more of you know the four. Um, more of a defensive end role than rather than a stand-up role. But I'm really concerned about Florida State's ability to handle the tight end because I don't know that there's a linebacker on the roster that can that can do it, and you don't trust your safeties to do it either. So Florida State's going to have to figure that out. But if if Brevin Jordan can get things going, Miami's going to be able to move the football. Um, now, run game, they're more reliant on, on big plays. It's, it's actually... Florida State's you know pass game is, is relying on big plays and they move the football. Miami's run game is relying on big plays. DJ Dallas has three runs of fifty yards or more this season. Um, and he's leading Miami in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. But he, he's a he's a big play machine. It doesn't take a lot for for him to get one you know a little bit of space and take off. So yeah, you know, this game it, it, you know it, it seems uh, I don't know. It, it, with with the way that both teams play, big plays are going to be a big part of this game. You know, it's not going to be a bunch of grinded out drives. It's going to be um, maybe one missed tackle and somebody's gone, or you know, somebody busts a coverage and there it is. Yeah, that's what this game is going to come down to because I don't see either team really sustaining drives at this point. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I think Florida State has the better offense, but they're going against the better defense. I think Miami's offense not as good, but they don't have to go up against. Miami's defense. I I mean, who even knows with score predictions because we predicted, what, a shootout a couple weeks ago for the Wake Forest game and didn't get that. I, I have this as a low-scoring game. I think turnovers are big. I think field position in a game like that is big. I think flipping the field and not getting yourself pinned back deep. I mean, I don't know if I see either of these teams breaking up a 90-yard touchdown drive unless there's, I think, a singular big play in there. So, I mean... All those intangibles that, I mean, coaches talk about week in and week out, I think in this game are are especially important. And I think a big thing we haven't mentioned, yes, Florida State has played a much easier home than road slate, but the home road split for them really across the board is ridiculous. And they're going to have the biggest crowd of the season in Doak Campbell this weekend. It won't be a sellout, which I, I'm not saying I entirely blame some people, but it will be... By a decent margin, the, uh, they're expecting the biggest crowd of the season for Saturday. And so I think that plays a role in a game that that people are kid- considering. I think a lot of people are, are going back and forth on, on in terms of being a toss-up. Yeah, you know, Florida State opened as, what, a six-and-a-half-point favorite? That's, Which was too big. Yeah, I, I agree that was too big. Um, you know, Florida State's – there's no consistency there. And that's the same thing with Miami. Um their wins are pretty – I mean, at Pitt is not a bad win, but losing at home to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech are both pretty bad losses. Yeah, you know, that those are really bad losses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Losing to Georgia Tech in particular is uh, – At home. Yeah, inexcusable. Um, yeah. That line – the line's down to three. Which means basically neutral field, this is a direct toss-up, which I think I agree with. I think if this is a game at Miami, they're probably favored by three. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. But if this game comes down to a damn field goal, 
There ain't nobody in the stadium, Florida State, Miami, Manny Diaz, Willie Taggart, your mama, anybody that's going to feel comfortable one way or the other. Because neither of these teams have a field goal kicker. It's awful. You're not wrong. Uh, uh, I will say, I don't, I'm not going to defend Uruguay for long because he doesn't deserve it with the year he's had. But he hasn't missed some of the kicks that Bubba Max has missed. The, the, Bubba Max has missed some chip shots. To Ricky's credit, I mean, he hasn't had a ton of chip shots because FSU's finished in the red zone at a decent clip. But, yeah, I mean, neither team, down one, down two, even down three in the late there where it looks like they might need a field goal to win or to tie or whatnot, neither fan base is going to feel especially confident. And I guess on the other side, the opposing fan base will, will feel pretty good knowing that neither of these kickers have been exceptionally good this year. Yeah, with a, you know, with a rivalry that uh, has been decided, you know, on bad kicks and muffed kicks and, you know, sometimes on, on good kicks. You know, this, uh, you know, blocked extra points. If This game's going to come down to a field goal, and we all know it, right? Like, that's that's just the way this rivalry goes. I think um, yeah. the last five since 2014, every game in this rivalry has decided, been decided by a touchdown or less. I think by five or less, right? Yes, it's something like that. It's it's something crazy. Um, well, let me find the tweet. It bears mentioning because I think Tim Reynolds, an AP writer down there, rattled off a list of rivalries. I like <coughs> never, there's never been five straight games decided by five points or less. I think in like Michigan, Ohio State, or in Oklahoma, Texas, or in a lot of rivalries that you consider. I think the old, one of the only other ones that it's happened in is Alabama Auburn. So I mean. These games, even when the teams haven't always been matched up lately, it's felt like a lot lately. One of the two teams has been ranked, but not both. I think you look at there is a stretch of runs where FSU was ranked and Miami in the Al Golden years was not. And then recently that kind of turned on its head. Miami, I think the last two years has been ranked and FSU isn't. This is the first time in quite a while this feels like a pretty evenly matched game where you don't think one team is noticeably better than the other. Yeah, last year, I mean, everybody expected Florida State to go down and get blown out because Miami was, what, number eight in the country? And that was extremely high, and we were all kind of, that was that was fool's gold, and we kind of thought it was. But then they rattled off, like, five lo- or four or five losses the rest of the season, and it was awful um, for, for Miami. But that game, Florida State blew a 20-point third-quarter lead and lost by one. Um, you know, two years ago, what was it? Um, who caught that touchdown pass? I'm blanking on his name. Was it Lawrence Cager? You're talking the, the, the game winner in, in Tallahassee in 2017? Yeah. Let me look. I can't remember who it was. Um, I'm blanking. It was, I think it may have been now Georgia Bulldog Cager. It was. No, it was Daryl Langham. That's right. That's right. He did absolutely nothing for you know, for forever as at Miami and then had that catch. Well, and Braxton Berrios had two touchdown catches that game too. I mean, yeah, that was the, I mean, my, that was, and that was the year even more where Miami, what was 10 to no or 11 to no, and then lost their last however many games. Yeah. They lost their last three games. So uh, wild games just like, just surround this rivalry. I mean, you look at, Florida, Florida State has some crazy games. It doesn't feel like that game gets as crazy on seemingly a yearly basis as this one does. 
Yeah, that rivalry is just straight up based on hate. There's no respect there from anyone. Um, Florida State does not like Florida. Florida does not like Florida State. And there's really no, like, <laughs> there's no in-between there. Um, with Miami, you know, you can talk to some of the former players about this, but it's, it's there's a little, there's more respect there because of the way the, these games get. There's still a ton of hate between these two teams and these two programs, but there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit more of respect there between these two programs um, that's not there when Florida State takes on Florida. But, you know, where do you think Florida State has the biggest advantage in this game? Um, hmm. I mean, probably their defensive line against Miami's offensive line is what I would say. I think you look at uh, Florida State, I mean, you mentioned how feast or famine it's been, but pretty consistently against bad offensive lines, they've feasted, and I would not classify this as anything other than a pretty bad Miami offensive line. So, I mean, I expect Florida State to pressure Jaron Williams. I think Miami made the right choice going with Jaron Williams. I think you've got to look at him as kind of the guy of the future, and in a year like this where you're not making any real noise nationally, you just need to get him progress and get him better however you can, and that's, I think, this is a, a good way of doing that. So, I mean, I think, I think though, I think that's where I see Florida State and why I think we've talked about I don't see the Miami offense having much success either is just because I don't see them giving them enough time. I mean, Florida State's taken advantage of bad offensive lines all year. Yeah, I I, um, I definitely agree with that. Um, what... Yeah, Miami's offensive line is horrid. Like, they are horrid. Um, They're basically Syracuse-level bad, and Syracuse is the worst offensive line in the country. Um, So I I do think that Florida State's going to have the edge there. Um, It'll be interesting to see because I think that uh, Miami's, like, biggest weakness on the offensive line comes at tackle, and Florida State's, you know, like, you don't want to say it's not a weakness on the defensive line, but the strength of the defensive line is on the interior with Marvin Wilson and Robert Cooper. Um, and then you have Corey Durden on the outside and Janarius Robinson, who have both been, you know, very good this year. Uh, Durden more so at the beginning of the year and then Robinson coming on. But it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they handle that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree. Something that I was looking up um, – this uh, this week, and it, it does you know it probably won't surprise you, but I did think it was interesting, is that when Flor like Florida State's defense actually starts out the game really really good against the pass, and then it gets progressively worse every single um, every single quarter is worse than the one before it when it comes to pass defense, and then finally in the fourth quarter it's it's just a complete mess, like that Florida State allows opponents to complete 53% of their passes in the first quarter, 57 in the second. There's five touchdowns, four interceptions in the first half. In the second half, they've allowed five touchdowns, one interception, and are completing about 66. Opponents are completing about 66% of their passes. Fourth quarter alone, four touchdowns, one interception, 67% of their passes are being completed. It's it just for, for it's, it's, it's really interesting just watching it, just the numbers – just continually go up as as the game goes on. So Florida State, I don't know if they just get tired or you know what happens, but Florida State's blown a a lot of fourth quarter leads this year because of the pass defense, 
And Florida State's blown a lot of fourth quarter leads against Miami in the past. I don't know that that's a good sign, and there's no correlation at all. But when it comes to Florida State, Miami, I am extremely superstitious. I grew up, you know, playing baseball. I am a superstitious guy when it comes to that. Um, but Florida State, Miami makes me a little superstitious, and that's just not a good sign for me. Yeah, I, 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 it's worth mentioning. I mean, we've talked we've talked about Florida State's home advantage, and Florida State is in a lot of games this year made a habit of jumping out to an early lead. I, in this game, this I think it would go a long way because although yes, they've had a habit of letting teams back into games, Miami's offense is not tailored to playing from behind, especially late. Well, I think it, it, I'm not sure I expect Florida State to open up a big lead. I mean, they've had a lot of success, no doubt, with scripted drives this year early in games, but they would go a long way because it, it, it a I mean it would just put pressure on. Miami would put pressure on the head coach, Manny Diaz, Florida State alum. I mean, coaching in the rivalry as a head coach for the first time after he was the defensive coordinator at Miami for the last three years. But I just don't know if I buy this Miami team being built to come back. I think in some ways, if Florida State gets up early, I don't think it gets out as out of hand. I think it could be somewhat reminiscent of a Syracuse game where I'm not sure if Florida State gets up two scores early, I'm not sure they're ever really threatened, but it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I do think that that Miami is better built to do it than Syracuse. I don't, you know, I expect a game like Wake Forest at this point. Um, That game was in the rain, you know, in the second half and all that, but I I do expect, you know, I I expect a game like, like Wake Forest. I think it'll be low scoring. I don't think this is a game where Florida State's offense is going to pop off. Um, so I, I do think that, uh, I mean, I, th- I think that this game is going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to come down to potentially a field goal as, you know, as nightmarish as that sounds for both teams. Um, I think it could come down to that again, but you know, all right, I'm putting you on the spot, Kurt score prediction right now. Um, I made a prediction earlier in the week. I feel like I got to stick to it. I don't know why. I mean, I talked about low scoring. I'm taking Florida State 24-20. I think the uh, the wild cam is, I mean, a, a revolution. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of it. I think showing it last week, even if coaches played down kind of how intentional it was, I would imagine it was quite intentional to make Miami prepare for, prepare for something else and kind of take focus off everything else. I just think what he does opens things up somewhat. I mean, I think it takes some pressure off the line. I think it takes some pressure off the whoever and runs the ball, be it him or running back, he gives it to in terms of they can't stack the box against it. And I just, I, I think he could, you can make the case, especially on the offensive side of the ball for both teams. He's the most talented player. And I think that just, he comes down to a play he makes. So I guess I don't think it comes down to a field goal. I'm saying 24, 20. All right. <clears throat> I'm going, uh, 21, 20 Florida state. I think this is a true toss-up game. I think that Florida State will pull it out. Willie Taggart will get his first win in a rivalry game at Florida State. It's a huge game for him. We didn't even discuss this, and I do want to discuss this in a minute. Um, but I do think that Florida State is going to be able to pull out a uh, pull out a win against Miami. I do think that they are the better team. Um, but with Miami's defense, you know, it, it always comes down to that. And with how shaky Florida State's special teams are at this point, you know, kick returns, punt returns right now, um, 
punting, you know, and and, and kicking. I, I think that it's, you know, the Florida State special teams has seriously regressed since the beginning of the year, and that gives me a little bit of concern. But I do think Florida State is is the better team in this game. This rivalry is crazy, and something's going to happen. And uh, I think that Florida State finds a way to pull out a a win, one point. So I'm taking Miami. Uh, I'm taking Miami to cover, but Florida State to win, and uh, Willie Taggart gets his first rivalry win. You know, we've talked a little bit about that before, and just how important it is, you know, for Taggart to get that rivalry win. But with the way the Clemson game went, and the way the Florida game went last year, and the way the Miami game went, you know, last year, blowing that big lead, you know, and obviously Clemson again last year, but. Florida State fans haven't a lot of, haven't had anything to celebrate about with their rivals. Have had absolutely nothing to celebrate when it comes to that. A win for you know, a win against Miami would give something to Taggart, something that he can latch on to, something that he can, you know, say, Hey, look, this is progress right here. We are making progress. We've beaten a rival, you know, we're getting it back to where we're going. A loss and you know, you're just sitting there and you're questioning. You know, because you're not, you, you don't expect to beat Florida. This is a top ten Florida team that defense is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, if you don't win this game, it's you know you, you're kind of left holding your hands up and wondering you know, when does it happen? Does it happen? And not beating your rivals at Florida State is not going to get it done. Um, but a win gives something that's you know, Taggart can latch on to point two and say, all right, we're getting it together. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be, it, it, it it's not going to be the most convincing win in terms of margin or probably how it plays out on the field of the Taggart era. But if it happens, it's probably the, it might be the win that moves the needle the most. And, and as you mentioned, kind of, I think wins over some fans who might already be thinking that, that Taggart's not going to work long term. Because, I mean, for one thing, with Alabama State still on the schedule, no matter what happens the week after at Boston College, you don't want to assume anything. But, I mean, if Florida State wins this game, they are going to a bowl, not even needing Boston College. I think Boston College they could easily win too. But, I mean, it just – it's hard to overstate. I mean, time and time again, it's felt like in close games – Either a player has done something or a decision has been made that just has cost Florida State dearly. And it's just, they just can't seem like get out of their way in those close games. If this game is close, like everyone thinks, and Florida State finds a way, I think not only does it kind of show that things are trending in the right direction, but it shows there might be some growth in that regard of the team learning to finish, which is something Willie Taggart has, has been stressing now for some time, just about team learning how to win, learning how to finish. Doing so against a rival that you haven't beaten now in a couple of years after you had your little win streak, it, it it would be hard to overstate how big this is. I mean, it's a weekly thing now to say this is a big game for Willie Tiger. Very much so. Every game is a big game for Willie Tiger, but this one even more so than normal because it is a rivalry game. It's an emotional game. It's a game that you know everybody wants to win. Everybody on the roster wants to win. I, like I said, I think Florida State wins this game. But losing this game, and you need a win either in the Red Bandana game at Boston College, or you have to beat Florida on the road. 
in order to get bowl eligible. You know, it, it, there is a non-zero <laughs> chance that if they lose tomorrow, Saturday, it's kind of like the last gasp as it was, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, they could always rebound, and they've done a really good job of rebounding this year. You got to give really, uh, you got to give Willie Tiger credit for that. They've done an excellent job of rebounding for the most part. Um, Only lost consecutive games what once? Yes, Clemson and Wake Forest. Yes, and those were against two ranked teams. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it, it's the and both were road games, but they've done a really good job of bouncing back. But losing. You know, this game, in as as meaningful as it is after, you know, the way that the month of October is, is gone and, and, you know, in getting back to what, the way the season is gone, um, you start to wonder if that if they're going to be able to get back up. And they've done a really good job of getting knocked, you know, when they get knocked down, getting back up, you know, and, and continuing the fight. But at, at some point, you know, you're going to get knocked down and if that's going to be it. You're going to get counted out. Um, you know, if, if they lose to Miami, that, that could be the knockout punch, you know, do you go up to Boston college, a team that, you know, absolutely throttled you the last time you were up there in a game that means probably more to to those Boston college fans than any other game, you know, they play all year, not the Florida state game, but the red bandana game. If you have, if you don't know what the red bandana game is, go look it up. It's extremely moving. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to give you a shortened version of it. Go look it up. It's you know go, going up there two years ago and and seeing that it was uh, it was a very moving experience. Um, so you just look that up. But it, it is the game that they they care a ton about, and um, you know it is a noon game which should help. But that that's that's going to be a tough environment for Florida State. Florida State really needs to come out of this Miami game with a win. They need to beat the Hurricanes. For you know Willie Taggart's sake, for Florida State's sake, for the season's sake, uh, there's a lot riding on this game. Um, but that's going to do it for uh, this part of the segment. We're going to move into our weekly picks since we didn't get to it on Tuesday. Um, Kurt, you ready? We're going to jump right into right. it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what's do you know what the uh, overall record is? Oh, I can pull it up real quick. Give me a sec. All right. Have that ready. <clears throat> All right. So. So far this season, I'm not doing too great. Kurt's doing a little bit better than I am. Um, I think we're still both over 500, but I think yeah, you're 36, 34, and one. I'm 40, 30, and one. Okay, so we're we're both we're both uh, over 500. Kurt's got a got a few games on me. Um, gonna make them up this week. Here we go. Uh, Georgia versus Florida. Georgia is a six and a half point favorite. I'm taking Georgia in this. I think Georgia's better. Um, you know, I. I it's in Jacksonville. Yeah, this game this game means a lot to both programs. I think Georgia's going to find a way to pull it out. Their offense hasn't been great of late, um, but you know they've been there's been a lot of talking. They lost that game to South Carolina. I think they're going to bounce back this week against Florida. Um, so I think Georgia wins, and I think it's close, but I think Georgia by a touchdown. Uh, I think Georgia wins, but Florida covers. I think it's a, it, it's, I don't know if it's a game where a ton of points happen. I think you look at two defenses being strengths, especially on the Florida side. And so I think that's a lot of points for one team that's kind of limping into this game. I mean, they even struggled against Kentucky for a while in their last game. Georgia did. So I think, uh, Florida covers. All right. Uh, SMU at Memphis. Memphis is a six, uh, six point favorite. What you got? 
Uh, I have SMU at the very least covering this game. They've been, I mean, one of the stories of the season. This feels like, is this like the first time SMU has been truly relevant nationally since Pony Excess? Uh, I think it's since they haven't been ranked or eight. I think they haven't won eight games since 1984. Which is when my mom was in college there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm taking SMU on the road. I'm not sure they win, but six feels like a lot for SMU on the road here. So give me SMU. Yeah, give me uh, give me the Pony Express to not only cover the six, but win outright at Memphis. Um, I really like what Sonny Dykes is doing there. I think Shane Bouchelle is has been really good for them. Um, you know, I watched them uh, struggle a little bit the last time they played. I think they're going to be ready for Memphis, and uh, I, I like the Mustangs. Um, up next, Oregon at South uh, at uh, Southern Cal. Oregon is a four and a half point favorite. I don't know why this line so is so close, which is you know making me a little concerned. I mean, I get that it's at USC, but Oregon has been is been very good this year. I think Oregon wins this. Uh, and covers covers the spread pretty easily. Oh, I agree. I think that, that Oregon defense is lights out. They've got Justin Herbert, who is still Justin Herbert. I, I just, I, I, I'm with you. I was a little surprised this line was so close. I like Oregon by 10 or 14. Uh, up next, Utah at Washington. Utah is a three-and-a-half point road favorite. Um. Hmm, this is an inter- this is one the one that I've maybe gone back and forth on the most. Um Gimme Utah. I'm taking Utah on the road, I think. I mean I think that line makes a lot more sense. It gives me a lot more pause than the Oregon one does, but I still think they're the better team and I don't think Washington is so good or has such a home field advantage that that makes a huge difference in this game. I'm taking Washington. Um you know, USC kind of exposed to uh, Exposed Utah's pass defense earlier this season, and Washington can throw the football with Jacob Eason. Um, so I, I like Washington to cover that, and maybe even win outright at home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, up next, Kansas State at Kansas. Kansas State is a six and a half point favorite after beating Oklahoma. Kansas coming off a win over who was it? TCU. Yeah. Texas Tech. Yeah, no, it was Texas Tech. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kansas State's going to roll in this game, I think. Um, I know it's prime letdown spot, but, you know, Chris Kleiman has, has those guys really rolling along. Um, you know, he's, he's such a good coach. And Kansas State, uh, I think Kansas State's going to, going to spoil Les Miles, uh, Les Miles Day. Oh, I, I agree. I think I, I'm fascinated. I mean, when's the last time this line was this small, home or away? It feels like there's a little, hope for Kansas for the first time in a while. I think they, they, for as much as people criticize, maybe not criticize, but question the less miles higher, you're seeing some potential, but I'm with you. I mean, Chris Kleiman just walked into a better situation, and and I think they win this game, even on the road, somewhat comfortably. Yeah. Um, up next, NC State at Wake. Wake is a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Um, see, if it were... I'm debating that last, like, point where, say, if it were six and a half, I'd feel better about taking Wake. I think Wake wins, but this also feels like a game where Wake's been the spoiler to a couple of pretty good NC State teams the last couple of years. I wouldn't be totally shocked if NC State played a little spoiler this year, but I don't think they're quite good enough to do that. I'm taking Wake in the seven and a half. 
I think Sage Sherratt might cover this by himself. I, I, I don't, you know, NC State is a bad football team. I don't think they're very good at all. And I think Wake is a good football team. Um, yeah, you know, Florida State probably should have beat them. But that, you know, you, you, I say that and I don't want to rehash it, but Wake should have been up like 28 to nothing in that game. And then Florida State should have won late since they weren't. But it went back and forth. But I think Wake's a pretty good football team, and I think that uh, that line's a little disrespectful. I'm going to take Wake there in seven and a half, especially you know at home, even though it's not much of a home field advantage. Um, you know, it, I do think Wake is going to is going to win that one. Um, up next, Boston College at Syracuse. Syracuse is favored by three, and Syracuse shouldn't be favored by anyone against anyone. Boston College wins this game outright covers it. That Syracuse offensive line is awful. They can't throw the football. They can't run the football. Their defense isn't very good um, outside of the two defensive ends they have. Boston College wins this game outright. I have no idea why Syracuse is a three-point favorite. Uh, Syracuse is a three-point favorite because Boston College, especially on defense, ain't great either. I mean, I'm not saying, I think, I, I'm with you. I think Boston College covers this. I probably think Boston College wins. Boston College does not have a defensive line that's going to take a lot of advantage of Syracuse. That might not matter because Syracuse offensive line is kind of let whoever walk all over it this year. And that's probably at the end of the day. That plus A.J. Dillon is why I like Boston College. But I'm not shocked by the line because, I, I mean, I'm not outright shocked. B.C. is coming off just absolutely smashing NC State. Syracuse hasn't smashed anyone. They lost to NC State. Yeah, I know transitive property, but BC is finally getting back to act, actually, you know, running the football and running it well and pounding it down people's throats. And I don't think Syracuse is going to be able to stop them. I don't either. I mean, we saw what they did with the wild game. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think Boston College rolls in this one. I, I don't understand that line at all, which probably means that it's going to go the other way and Syracuse is going to win by 30. But uh, up next. Virginia Tech at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by 17. Um, I think I like Notre Dame in a bounce back here. I mean, Notre Dame got utterly smacked last week at Michigan. And, I mean, it was a messy game. It was a game that was going to lend itself to running the ball, and Michigan just did that a lot better than Notre Dame did. But Virginia Tech, and we've talked about time and time again, I just don't buy this Virginia Tech team really at all. I mean, they're what five and two, I think, maybe five and three. I'm somewhere in that neighborhood, and they're supposed to need seven to get to a bowl. And I'm just not sure they get those two. They don't get one this week, and I'm not sure they cover. I like Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I think Notre Dame is going to cover this one um, in a bounce back game, trying to get that Michigan uh, taste out of their mouth. Um, so I like Notre Dame to cover as well. Up next, you got Pitt at Georgia Tech. Pitt is a seven and a half point favorite. Um, Miami shut that Pitt offense down last week, but Georgia Tech, you know, Georgia Tech is bad. They're a bad football team, um, and I know it's at Georgia Tech, but I'm taking Pitt to cover seven and a half. I just I never feel comfortable taking Georgia Tech this year, and I think I've only done it once. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I I don't think Pitt's not. Pitts, I don't think either as good or as bad as they've looked at times this season. I don't think they're good as good as like the win over UCF. They're also not, not as bad as they looked against Miami and barely beating Delaware State, but I think they covered this on the road. All right, and the last one we have is Virginia at North Carolina. North Carolina is a two-point favorite in this one. 
North Carolina, I could maybe see them favored by a little more, especially you look at Virginia without Bryce Hall in the secondary. I think Sam Howell's going to be taking advantage of him. I mean, with the ACC picks, we've had to say Sam Howell's name a lot this year, but I mean, it hurts. he's going to be the runaway ACC freshman of the year. He seems like he's going to be holding down that job for some time in Chapel Hill. So, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think he's the difference in this, him and his receivers who have had pretty good numbers with him throwing the ball their way this season are the difference. Yeah, that hurts, but Virginia wins this game outright. Uh, Bryce Perkins, they're going to – I th- I have a little more faith in the UVA defense than you do, even without Bryce Hall. I think the Virginia's, you know, I think Virginia's good, and I think UNC is a little interesting to me. They find ways to win in close games, but – I think Virginia is the better overall team, and I think Bryce Perkins is going to find a way to will them to uh, to a victory. So I'm taking Virginia not only to cover but to win outright. But that's going to do it for uh, for our predictions and for this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to give us a like, follow, whatever on your favorite podcast site, and make sure to check out nolsports.com and tallassie.com for all of your la- all of the latest Florida State to football, base, basketball, baseball coverage. Uh, that we have, so make sure to check that out. But for Kurt Weiler, for myself, have a wonderful day.